I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome along to the Rocky Road Rewind, where we'll be reviewing some of the forgotten and some unforgettable moments that have ever taken place in the ring. I'm Simon McGuire, and on this week's show, I'm delighted to be joined as ever by boxing writer for the Irish Sun, Kevin Byrne, by Irish featherweight champion, Eric Donovan, head trainer over at Celtic Warriors Gym in Dublin, Packy Collins, and by Belfast trainer, John Breen. Well, cheers, lads. Welcome, and thanks for joining us. Uh, you join us today to discuss... Um, whoever, we're, we're trying to find out who was the hardest puncher in Irish boxing history, a question that split fans, uh, and I don't think we're going to really find an answer, but we're going to discuss the mechanics of power, are power punchers born or reared, who has caught your eye, who have you worked with over the years that surprised you, who did you know was going to be a power puncher, and then you walked in and you said, whoa, this guy's even ha- punches harder than I ever even realised. Uh, the punch is boxing's great equaliser, wrote Thomas Hauser in the Black Lights. Boxing fans love a big hitter. From Peter Marr at the start, at the turn of the last century, right up to Andy Lee in the modern era. The ability to knock an opponent senseless brings people back for more. So I'm going to ask all three of you, who is the hardest Irish puncher you've come across in the fight game in your roles as boxers, trainers, onlookers? Uh, Eric, I'll throw it to you first. Who's the ones that stand out to you? Um, I suppose if I'm going to like some of the big punchers of the modern era, um, and ones that I would have been lucky enough to kind of um experience, uh, both a true feeling from inside the ring, uh, from uh, from feeling it, um, from feeling their blows landing on my own chin, and to watching them um deliver some spectacular knockouts as well, uh, while uh. You know, being on the same team or being in training camps or just just being in the or just watching on TV or wherever. Um, I'm going to go with number one, Andy Lee, um, because I just think for me, he had something that you know a lot of boxers would give everything and anything to have, and that was a get out of jail card, <laughs> and um, and he could he could. He could cash that in at any time uh, in any fight against any opponent, and that's what was so um, amazing and exciting about Andy Lee, you know, because he was like a, a tall, slim type fighter, not your typical Tyson-esque or tank that's going to come in and just rip your head off. A really beautiful old-style boxer, southpaw, tall, but had a right hook like an absolute kick from a mule, um, and not. It wasn't like he has his knockout reel will stand the test of time, but it wasn't only about the knockouts. It was about the the level of opponents that he knocked out. They were very very class, top class, elite level opponents. Um, so Andy would have been up there. But in terms of like 
guys that I would have boxed and sparred with. I mean, Phil Sutcliffe hit me with a jab one time and I felt it in my ankles. Um, he just really, really rattled me, just with a straight, solid jab into the puss. And, um, you know, unfortunately for Phil Sutcliffe, he never really um, maximised on his true potential. And I think he had terrible trouble with his hands. And I'm not really surprised that he had such bad hand injuries because he hit like a train, you know, in both hands. Um, James Tennyson is also another very, very powerful puncher that I would have shared the ring with as well. Um, I mean, in the amateur game, we, we boxed and lucky enough, it was the point scoring system and I was tricky enough and I was able to get around him. But he actually hit me a punch. He caught me with a very clean shot in that, in, in that fight and he lifted me off my two feet. Um, and you know, like Carl Frampton was a devastating puncher as well. Willie Casey had a bit of a bit of a slug on him as well. You know, there were some really, really um, very good uh, Irish boxers and punchers. Darren Sutherland, like you know, God be good to him. I would have loved to see what he what he could have done in his career. I mean, he hit me with a jab. We were doing school combat in boxing training in the high performance team one day. And obviously him being a middleweight and, and, and me, I was only a uh, featherweight at the time, uh, maybe bantamweight even. And we were doing school combat together and he was supposed to take it easy on me, but he hit me a very good right hand into the face and I nearly started crying on the spot. It was so, it was so, it was so sore. Um, you know, but um, yeah, um, they're the kind of standout ones for me, uh, just off the cuff. Yeah, well, good stuff. Um, what about yourself, John? Uh, I have a feeling I know who your number one is, but can you tell us about what made Neil Sinky Sinclair such a devastating puncher? Neil was a fantastic puncher. Like you, Neil's a big softy outside the ring, and you never thought he would knock anybody. I seen Neil knocking guys out sparring. World, world champions knocking Neil knocking about. Sparring, and I thought just the the sparmer, Wayne Alexander, he was a world champion at the time. And he was sparring one day, and they hit him. Alexander plays up in the corner on the deck, and I jumped in the ring. I says, Alexander's eyes are still open, but he didn't know where he was. And I said, Are you all right? What happened? I said, Are you all right? I'm born out of the ring. Three days later, he still didn't know where he was. Well, he was over training for a fight. He was over training for a fight. I'm training in Belfast for a fight, and uh, I just kept him training. And then three or four days later, I put him back into to do the pods again, and then broke him into the sparring again. Even even now, when I talked to Wayne now, he says, "What happened that night, Johnny? Genuinely, doesn't know." Well. Anybody can anybody can punch like that there and take a person's memory away. It's it is frightening. Yeah, it's dangerous. He, Sinclair would say something. Uh, I always have this when I'm trying too hard, not forcing the issue, and looking to take the man out. And that's something that seems consistent against uh, for top punchers. Who else, John, have you come across that has surprised you for their power, or that was just t- took you aback for what they possess in their fists? Just, you know, Dayboy McCauley, obviously, for a flyweight. Dayboy hit you in the chin. The party was over, you know. But the, the problem is, most of these big punchers are negative themselves. They can't take, they can't take a good shot. Anybody you expect to not go out, but you can walk out and walk on one, on the one that's out there. And you're saying to yourself, 
Is he as good a punter as you think he is? You know, but yeah. I think it's just because they start putting somewhat dependency and they're punching powers and they leave themselves open, and somebody hit them yeah. in the gym and they'll go down. You know? So sometimes you say to yourself, some of the box I would say, I want you to go and get six rounds of sparring here. I don't want no power punching. And, you know, they can do it and don't hurt nobody. So sometimes, you know, other ones, they go out and they try and knock people out because everybody says they're a big puncher. Or even sparring, they try and knock people out. It doesn't always work that way. Sometimes it, it puts you in trouble of your own because you depend too much on a big punch. But as I say, Wayne Alexander that day, he did the he still didn't know where he was. Just what didn't know what happened. Not say he didn't know where he was. What happened? What happened that that in Sparks? He did report. And you know it's and Wayne Alexander's a big strong man, you know. He, like the night he fought Takaloo, we were walking down the ring that night and I said to him, I said, you're gonna knock this guy out. He said, No, no. I said Genuine, you're a knockout skate guy, not in the sheer class. And what an up like The punch he had tackled you up with that night was <laughs> shut, shut doors for everybody, you know. Yeah. A, a, mar- a marvelous puncher, even doing the pods. Like, you know, I remember one time I wrote something in the paper about talking about Martin Rogan. And I said, the second was a harder punch than Martin Rogan. Martin said, we rang me up. He said, where did I come from? Jack and Neil Sinclair were a harder puncher than me. I said, Martin, pound for pound. I said, Neil Sinclair was the hardest puncher that I took on the pods. I said, you're a big, strong, hard puncher, but again, he was a well to it. You're heavy. Yeah. I never thought of it like that, John. I said, are well. What about yourself, Pascal? Um, you worked as a trainer for a long time. You were in and around, you've been in and around boxing for a long time. Which Irish fighter catches your eye as the hardest hitter? Um, well, you know, over different times, I can talk about now, I can talk about when I actually boxed, and maybe previously, even before I turned professional, but when you told me, when you called me up about this interview, and you told me that we're going to be speaking of hard punches, the first person actually came to mind was Sinky, Neil Sinclair too, because, you know, I was lucky enough to be around the same, a little bit before Neil, but I remember him fighting on cards with my other fighters, and I remember even going to Belfast up to John's gym sometime to spar yeah. with Neil, but... Neil wasn't just a big puncher. Neil was a very good boxer. So mm-hmm. Neil could be boxing it, and he'd always set you up for a punch. He wouldn't just go in, throw big bombs, hopefully one would land. He'd set you up. And the punch that he didn't see coming was the one that Neil would knock you out. So I, I think, and, and as John says, pound for pound, you know, he's, he's top three, I would have to say, of the biggest yeah. Irish punchers. You know, uh, I, I remember his world championship fight. He had the champion on the ground, and yes, I actually sir. thought it was going to be fight over. And to do that for a really good fighter, um, l- like Neil fought that night, you know, to do that shows that he has serious power. And talking of fighters with big records and lots of knockouts, you know, it's whether they carry on to the, the top 10 is yeah. when they prove that they're big punches. And Andy Lee was also, I mean, Andy Lee has got to be in the top three as well because, you know, a lot of people don't realise uh, that Andy Lee, although he boxed out, Paul, was actually right-handed. And y- y- you touched on it earlier, um, you know, it was it was his right hook was serious. Um, Eric, you actually mentioned earlier about Andy's right hook. So realistically, if I was to fight a southpaw, 
and if most of my fighters with the box of southpaw, you'd be always watching for that left hand. You know yourself as a southpaw, the jab be setting you up for that left hand. And a lot of guys made that mistake with Andy Lee. They'd be watching for that straight left hand. But it was that right uppercut, that right hook that knocked world champions out. I mean, he won the world title by knocking out uh, a world champion with that right hook. So Andy Lee has got to be up there. But, you know, if you're going back to fighters, I think guys that I'd sparred with, I've never sparred Andy you know, Sinky, I've thankfully never sparred him already because he hurt people. Phil Sutcliffe, Phil Sutcliffe sparred at my gym with some of my fighters and Phil was a puncher and, you know, the one thing you would always do when you have a guy preparing to spar Phil was, you know, you got to think about defence first and foremost. Don't be getting hit by this guy because you're getting hit really hard. Unfortunately, Phil yeah. didn't have the opportunity to, to, to go up the, 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 the next level to, to show where his power was at, but he had serious power. But, uh, you know, Dennis Galvin. I don't know if anybody remembers Dennis Galvin from the amateur. Yeah, I, think uh, about, I think he won about six, seven senior titles. Um, I used to spar Dennis when I was boxing professional myself. Anytime I was home in Ireland, I used to spar him. And, you know, I've been around a lot of fighters, a lot of gyms, and he was probably, you know, one of the hardest hitters I've ever sparred in my life. And I'm talking about going to training camp and sparring world champions. I remember sparring Drake Tadzi when he fought James Tony and he beat James Tony and Drake Tadzi was a 175 fighter and he could hit hard but Dennis Galvin you know equally if not harder for the middleweight and then touching on my own fighters Spike O'Sullivan. Spike has got yeah. serious power. Spike's got serious power and you know Spike stepping up to the levels. People say stepping up levels but if you look at the levels Spike stepped up to in, in as far as world championships or world champions, you know, all these guys were all bigger than Spike, a lot bigger. You know, Spike is a is a is a big welterweight or a big light junior middleweight, small middleweight, but he's really a, a junior middleweight. But he always fought as a middleweight, you know, because the bigger fights were there, and he just yeah. took them opportunities. But Spike has got serious power. I mean, he proved when he fought Andy Fitzgerald. I mean, Andy Lee took Andy Fitzgerald. Yeah, that's one of the best knockouts I've seen actually from an Irish yeah. boxer. But, but, to knock but, that's one of the best. But it's also about the timing too. I mean, that was an uppercut you didn't see coming. You know, with with, with touching on Andy uh, Andy Lee and Nate St. Clair, you know, the shots you don't see coming from them guys made them big punchers. They would set you up, you know, they'd set you up with their left hand for the southpaw because you think that's the shot you got to block. But Andy Lee would do that and throw them right uppercuts, right hooks. Neil St. Clair was the same. He'd set you up. You know, he'd, 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 you know John done a fantastic job at Neil because when you have a puncher, you, you, you teach him to box. Because you got to get in there, you got to land them shots. And and the one thing Neil Sinclair was was a great boxer. And if you can have a great boxer who can hit hard, you know they can go far. And you know, as I say, Neil Sinclair, uh, Andy Lee, and Spike O'Sullivan are the top three punchers that I I know of in Irish boxing now and in the past. Those are the first two, but they're just the three guys that I can actually touch on. Yeah, I think in terms of ranking, it's going to be difficult to rank some of the hardest uh, punchers in Irish boxing history because I've, I've made up a bit of a list. The guy with the, the highest knockout, uh, the highest number of knockouts is Peter Maher, a heavyweight from the 1890s and the, fir- and the first decade of the 1900s. He goes into the all-time list of knockouts with, a, with 107, um, had a claim for the World Heavyweight Championship. I think he had f- over 50 first-round knockouts. So it's an absolutely ridiculous tally. Um, a boxer I never had the pleasure of watching, uh, Tommy Armour, uh, from the north there, I think he had 72 stoppages, and uh, the bold Mike McTighe, who was world light heavyweight champion, had 52 stoppages. And like they, they, the fighters obviously fought a lot more back then, so he had 52 stoppages in, but he had well over 150 fights. And um, Bunty Doran was 43, Jimmy Gardner was 36, 
Uh, Tom Sharkey knocked out 34. Sailor Tom knocked out 34 of his 37 wins. Um, so you're looking at you're looking at a high. Th- that's the top of the list, and all those all those fighters come from like prior to the First World War, even or prior to the Second World War, but even the First World War. So it's difficult to rank them. Uh, I think in terms of our ranking today, we'll go from maybe the, the Second World War on. Uh, because there's just more visibility and we can get the grips and we can feel the power and uh, it's not that far back into the past so we can we can kind of talk about it but uh, another another fighter who might might make the cut today just because of the way I'm going to rank it is uh, Jimmy McLaren and I think in terms of the greatest Irish boxer of all time Jimmy McLaren might be is probably the one uh, just in terms of the number of Hall of Fame fighters he beat um, he he fought 14 Hall of Famers, uh, won the World Welterweight twice, won his world title by knocking out young Corbett in just two minutes and 37 seconds. So prior to the prior to the Second World War, that's where maybe some of the biggest punchers have come. Come, but uh, yeah, it's difficult to rank those guys in history. Is there any of them that, that catch your eyes uh, in terms of what you've heard or what you've studied over the years? Um, I, I I think I let John. I think I let John answer that one. <laughs> no, no offense, but he said second world war. He let you go with that one, John. <laughs> I was just, I, I was just a weather thing. <laughs> no, again, and my, I started in Eastwood in the nineteen six, nineteen seventy, nineteen sixty, seventy. I started in Eastwood then, and everybody in the everybody I came into the gym was champions. So they're all champions and punching ways like Flatless Spine was a big puncher for a Walter bit. Puncher Godot was a massive puncher for a super middle bit. You know, I say Dave Boy Macaulay, the flyweight, you know, it's very hard to compare these fighters and say he was a good puncher, but he wouldn't have beat such and such. Mm. Obviously, but it's very hard for us to sit and say who was the biggest puncher of them all. So it's, you can't really say that there because again, I've seen boxers sparring some days and they're punching parts fighting them. Take it easy, take it easy. They yeah. out, but they were just trying to land a big punch on their, whoever they're sparring. Like, uh, and it's very, very hard for like, most, of the, most of the big punchers are all chilly. If, if we're looking at uh, post-World War Two. One of the guys right up near the top of the list is uh, Barry McGuigan with 28 knockouts out of his 32 wins. So it's close to high level. That he's Cam, out. Cam, that's, why, that's why he had a good manager. That's why Barney was, was a good manager. Mm. He, Barney picked the fight for him. No, Barney wasn't a good puncher. I seen Barney sparring then and he would, but he wasn't a good puncher. Uh, very sharpy puncher again for but he's just Barbara McCauley and good spars so both are hurting, hurting each other so yeah I always think it I don't think Barry was as good a puncher as his record showed you know, I've seen him punching and sparring in the gym and that hurting you know like McCauley just don't have him McCauley and McCauley yeah. was and holding his own with, with McGuigan Pascal, what do you reckon? You probably watch a lot of Barry's fights. Do you agree with John? Like he in ninety, like you look at some of the stats in nineteen eighty two, and I know you could put some of this down to management. But in nineteen eighty two, he wins eight fights, seven by knockout. 
84, he wins six six fights, all by knockout. Wins the European title by knockout. Well, puts down Pedroza. What John is hitting at there is, 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 is basically, John would know from being in the gym. I know my fighters from being in the gym. I know who hits yeah. hard, who doesn't hit hard. And a lot of it has to do with your manager. Like, if you look at if you look at Peter McNeely, I knew Peter. He used to come train to Petronelli's. Although he didn't fight at the Petronelli's, he was managed by Vinnie Vecchioni. But if you look at Peter McNeely's record and the amount of knockouts he had, I think he knocked everybody, apart from one guy that he lost it. He knocked everybody out in every fight, and then he fights twice and he gets destroyed, I think, one round. But maybe it went two rounds. I don't I don't really remember. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely, a lot of it's to do with a, with a, with a good manager. Absolutely. Um. Now, McGregor went on, he beat a lot of great fighters, absolutely, he won a world title, you know, it was a, it was an amazing night, um, a lot as well, and he had a great left hook to the body too, and going forward, he was a good fighter, when he was pushed back, you know, there was question marks, however, you know, if, 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 if you've got a manager getting all the right fights, and they're getting them knockout wins, that can make a difference, you know, I'm not saying he wasn't a big puncher, I don't think he was the biggest no, puncher yeah. in Irish history, no. but when it came to no, but, he, he, you know, he was an exciting fighter and he was a great world champion and he won a world title against a, a, a great world champion too. Another thing I want to hit on also is, if, if you like, if you look at, you know, after World War II, in, in them days, you know, defence probably wasn't uh, as, as, as technical as it is now, boxing. And also, the gloves in them days were like mitts. They were like horsehair. Little bag mitts were like, and when they get wet, you know yourself, John, when they get wet, Anybody would knock you out with these gloves because it's become like concrete. So maybe if a lot of these guys that you mentioned in pre-World War II, uh, post-World War II, basically were around now, I don't think they'd have as many knockouts. I think the styles would be different. In the old days, it was just basically go knock somebody out. No one wanted to win on points. And the gloves were like little bag mitts. And, you know, they hit hard like concrete. So you can't really compare the different errors. I don't think you can anyway. I think I read the stat. A statistic there that in 1960 there were heavyweights were using six ounce gloves. That's just wow. like, like wow. Uh, you know that, that's, that's crazy. Well, they wouldn't they wouldn't get their hands in the six ounce gloves. Heavyweights wouldn't get their hands in the six ounce gloves. No. One heavyweight pre Second World War that comes to mind is uh, the gorgeous scale Jack Doyle. In uh, 17 prof- in 17 professional wins, he wins 16 of them by knockout. Uh, like a tremendous, a tremendous puncher. I think he, in his amateur career, he won 28 fights and 27 of them were knockouts. Uh, superb puncher, Jack Doyle. Uh, in his, in I think it was in his first 19 contests, he boxed for just 45 rounds. He didn't have that much skill, yeah. according to his um, biographer Michael Carroll. Wasn't interested in learning. Just had explosive power, led with a haymaker. Uh, but it, it made him an attraction, and that punching power as we've talked about, uh, brought fans to the gate and he sold out big venues in London. So he's a superstar, Jack, because of his punch of him. It's difficult to discount it. Well, well, my Uncle Jack was actually, my Uncle Jack got to know Jack Doyle over the years because my Uncle Jack won some like 30 uh, national titles in Ireland and John, John Breen would have known my Uncle Jack O'Rourke and he was well known. But but, but Jack used to tell about Jack Doyle and, you know, Jack Doyle was famous for his, uh, his singing. He was a great singer. And uh, he married he married Movita, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Famous yeah. So I think he was more famous for that. I don't think he was famous for his boxing or his power. And but he, he had a wallop, head. didn't he? He had a wallop no, pack. I don't, I, think know. That's I don't know. I don't know if he did. It's the same scenario we hit on. He had a good manager. 
got in fights. Like, who who's the guys that he fought? If you look back, who were they? How many times were they knocked out? They're probably yeah. they're, it was probably a padded record. And the one fight that he did knock somebody out was he knocked out himself? I think he was. Put himself you know, out of the ring. I think uh, did, he, did he not fight, fight for a title? I think he fought the British champion. He got beat for him or something. Not knocking on the man, but a lot of guys who have padded records, lots of knockouts. You yeah. know, I, I could get my fighters. I could bring guys in from Eastern Europe and have them knock them out all the time. I don't do that. I try and get them the rounds. If you're going to pay for someone, try and get the rounds and teach them how to fight and try and carry this experience into the, into the, the top ten. But, you know, Jack Doyle was famous, I think, for being a, a handsome man, a great singer. And marrying Movita, as far as boxing's concerned, he was a boxer too, and he had a few wins. And I hope people from Cork don't hate me for this, but Michael Jack, you know, knew him well, and they were very good friends, and we spent time in Notting Hill in London together. So, yeah, I don't think he put Jack Doyle into the the, the biggest pound for pound punches in Ireland. Yeah, uh, lads, I want to ask you about uh, someone who constantly comes up in a conversation about Irish power punchers, Darren Corbett. Uh, what what are your what what are your experiences with Darren or what do you recall about his ability to punch? I know he knocked out a lot of guys in the amateurs. He was offered the chance to go over to Joe Fraser's gym in Philadelphia. I think he knocked out eighteen amateurs in the first round. Uh, no McGee in two, Chris Oko in three, one one titles Irish Commonwealth. Oko spent I think twelve hours in in hospital with concussion after being hit. What are your recollections of Darren Corbett as a banger? Darren was a big massive puncher always Darren always had the power even when Darren wasn't fit when I seen him in the ring fighting he wasn't fit and he was still knocking guys out you know Darren had always the power to worry about like, like no I, I, didn't, I was watching a fight just yesterday as a matter of fact Joe McGee against uh uh what's that? No one won the Commonwealth title of him. And uh, nobody expected no to win at all. As a matter of fact, I went over Dun Nold's court corner that night. Barney, mm. Barney Sweet didn't come over. Conor Merchant didn't go over. Obviously, I don't think Barney thought he was going to win. I know if what... Uh, what do you call Jesus. I'll probably come back to him in a minute. Uh, and no... Gary Delaney. Gary Delaney. And Noah was brilliant that night. You know, he, Noah was 10 to 1 against the bookies. And Gary Delaney pulled out. He was exhausted. Gary Delaney was exhausted. After the 8th round, just retired in the corner, said he had a sore hand. But again, just Noah had broke his heart. And like, Noah was the massive puncher. Just very sharp puncher, good boxer. And, but again, punching power. Doesn't come if you go into somebody, one knock them out, you know, it doesn't happen like that. You know, there you go in, you out, but you look for your shot that to knock them out, but it's not 1910. As I'm saying, they're saying there by so many knockouts over the years, pre war time. Uh, it's that you know, as I say again, good manager, they made the manager as good in that same day as, as the war in the 70s and 80s. But maybe uh, yeah. But uh, managers always—you always need a manager to help you. Mm. You always need somebody. A good manager doesn't tell you he's doing this. He doesn't get get you to believe that you're knocking these people out. I'm not knock out them. So yeah. it's, just, it's just it's what you believe in. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But can, can punchers be born or made? And can trainers give you the tools to be a better puncher? What's your what's been your experience? Speaking of sport, you know, I've seen boxers uh, with speed in their hands, speed in their punches, and once they hit the other party is away, you want you, I've seen a punch coming from Neil Sickler again when he fought Daniel Santos. Uh, Santos, he put Santos down, but then Santos got up and stopped him. So, again, Neil had much of power, but Chennai, he, he would tell you himself, he was Chennai, Ben Alexander, massive of power, Chennai, you know, most of the big punchers weren't able to take a shot themselves. There's a bit of irony in that as well. Like I, I, I know what John is saying there. I know, I know some boxers who have absolute dynamite in their hands, but they tend to have a bit of a, yeah, you know, a weak chin as well. And then you got the opposite. The guys that can't punch are the guys that can take the shots. You know what I mean? They, they, you know, it's kind of a, a real. Um, uh, there's an irony to it, but um, I think, there, I think there's an element of. Of a natural, you know, a natural puncher, a natural power puncher. That's something that you are born with. Like, you know, you just have it. Um, but in terms to maximize it and to make it a real serious weapon, then you got to have a good coach that can develop it and um, ha- help you to understand it. Understand, like, as I like what Pac- Packy said, if I have a guy and he can punch, then I need to teach him how to box. I don't need to do anything with the punch because. The punch is there. It's, it's not. Always it's always there. Yes. Yeah. So, um, that's a, you know. I remember even like when I was working with Zora and when I was working with Zora Antia. Um, I never threw a left hook in my life. I'm a southpaw. I'm a left hand southpaw. I only threw a right hook. It was the only type of punch I ever threw. And when Zora taught me how to throw a left hook for the first time, he taught me to practice and practice and practice. It felt so weird and it felt so uncomfortable. And I remember my left shoulder being so exhausted um, and fatigued and I couldn't really lift up my arm for a few weeks from throwing this left hook. But that left hook turned, you know, eventually was was one of the uh, strategies that, that won my first elite title, my first senior title against another southpaw, the left hook over the top of his right hand. Um, so some people have a great punch. The likes of Andy Lee's, like when you're talking about the right hook that he had, you know, what was so good about his right hook is what is is not only the power that because I'm not too sure if he had the natural power in the arm. What where he got that power was from his hips, from his feet, for even he used to bend slightly, and his hand would his right hook would be would leave its launching position very close to where his, his, his hips were. His right hand would be down close to his hip and then he would launch the punch up in a vertical way, in a vertical position and he'd lock his legs out too. So you can imagine, Andy, what is he? 6'1", 6'2", 
yeah. bending down, crunching, crunching down, and then standing up tall with this punch. And as soon as his legs would lock, his punch would land. And what's happening there is you're getting the whole mechanics of a well-delivered punch. It's not only the fist that's hitting you, it's the whole body the whole bounce, that's hitting you bounce. from that punch. The whole exactly. Yeah. I remember we like Andy had a great run of knockouts. He rescued his career against John Jackson. He put him out cold on the floor and then won the world title against Matt Korobov. Um, he stunned him with a right hook and then went after with a lot of unanswered shots and won the title. And to, to win by stoppage at that level and to display his power when it was most needed definitely gives him an impressive uh, place Nanny Hall of Fame of Irish power punchers. I, I remember interviewing him at the time, and he said Emmanuel Stewart taught him how to punch, or how to knock people out. Sorry, uh, set people up with the punch they don't see. So you trick them, dress them up. It's kind of what you guys were talking about earlier on, throwing out left hands before the big right, and changing the speeds on the punches. And Emmanuel Stewart called it dressing it up. Uh, and I guess what Andy was trying to say was he had a punch, but he could also be taught how to, I suppose, how to land it, how to implement it. So punchers, Andy Lee was probably a born puncher, but also he picked up a few little tricks that uh, allowed him to enact it and to uh, to land them on the highest level. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, can, can I just uh, touch on that? If you look at the fights that Andy Lee knocked the guys out, he was actually behind on the scorecards. And, you know, yeah. it, it, t- so, so to be able to do that, to be able to do what he does, you know, it's easy... It's easier knocking guys out when you're on top of them and you're winning a fight and the pressure's off, yet you can set them up even more. But what made Andy an even more devastating puncher was he could come from behind. He could turn a fight around, and people all knew this. I remember uh, Andy was fighting um, a kid from America. I'm trying to think of his name. Um, Right. Vera, was it? No, No, I was actually at that fight, believe it or not. It's a bike fight that weekend in, in... in Boston, and I travelled down to, uh, it was out of Foxwoods and Mohegan Sun, I was in Connecticut, I was actually at that fight, no, but anyway, uh, this kid was asked, this kid from Boston, was from Brockton, and he was asked me about Andy Lee, and you know, what do I know, I says, listen, he can punch, everyone knows he can punch, he can punch, you know, so you got to be on their guard, and Andy knocked him out anyway, because he had that devastating power, but to come from behind, especially in a world title fight against a world champion and knock knock a guy out the way he did. He'd knock him out. He, he dropped him and then finished him off. You know, and and, and by the way, Neil Sinclair, as I said earlier, the top three. Um, same thing with Neil Sinclair too. You know, against a world champion, unfortunately didn't finish him. But yeah. to do that at that level is, you know, it's serious power. So I think we're I think we're nearly able to chisel out a top three just going by your answers. We've heard uh, Sinclair from Pascal and John Breen. Um, and Andy Lee has been mentioned by Pascal and Eric, and uh, so, and I think I think we're all in agreement that Sinclair and Lee are probably the top two at this stage. I'm not sure who's one or who's two. What what are, what are your thoughts? Again, when when you look at that door, it's the one that couldn't take a shot as well as the other one. No matter how no matter how good job you have, you've loads of power, you can't take a shot yourself. It doesn't make you a good fitter. And Neil was a bit, Neil was a bit suspect. Mm. Neil was a bit suspect. Yeah, yeah. Where Andy, where Andy, he could take a, a good, a good dig. Like in fairness to him, you know, uh, and he has taken a few. He has shipped a few. But I think, do you know what I think? I think a, a, a young kid on this list that is actually carving out a great career for himself, and what a devastating puncher he is, and he has delivered as well um, in some big, big showdowns, and that's James Tennyson. Yeah. Um, 
We're going to get to the modern top three now in a few in about five minutes. <laughs> and, uh, Sorry, can I can, can I before you go to your modern top three? I'm 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 sticking with the top three. I'm putting Andy Lee, Nate Sinclair, and Spike up there. And the reason why I'm putting Spike up there is because he's a lot of knockouts. You know, he knocked out Fitzgerald when Andy Lee couldn't do it, which is you know a different type of fight. But also, um, you know, and the guys that he lost it that he didn't knock out are much bigger men. So I would like to go with the top three. I'd like to yes. put Spike, Andy Lee, and Nate Sinclair. What I'd like to do is I'd put Andy Lee in number one, and then I'd have Spike and Nate Sinclair two and like two and three together. That'd be my top three. So it's basically Andy Lee at the top, and then Spike and Nate Sinclair together after that. That's my okay. opinion. Okay, very good. Well, that's that's one top three nailed in. Um, yeah. We'll get. I might go to John again uh, for the top for his top three. So we'll put Sinclair in one since the war. Uh, another one of my fighters was uh, Leon Alexander. Like all you do is look at the fight against Takaloo. I knew before the punts came from neighbour down on his hunkers before before the third punch, but he just sat him up for it and bang once the punch hit him. Party was over. Punch and party. Alexander wasn't just wasn't the one bit. I see him not that guy's left, right, and center, but but Chinley also. Yeah, but Alexander as an Englishman, isn't he? So I, I suppose. Know, yeah, but it's just me. He trained. He trained over in Belfast. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, um, well, would you would you, do you want to slot in? Um, would you want to slot in Andy Lee in your top three, or is there is there anyone else? Would there be I'm sorry. Name to I, I never remember Andy. I never seen out any of Andy's face. Yeah. I, I, I genuinely didn't see him fighting. What about other punchers such as like Brian McGee? He had he had twenty five knockouts out of thirty six wins. Absolutely not to be sniffed at. You mentioned good, manager, um, good, manager, good monitor. Yeah, you mentioned Dave Boy could punch. With Freddie Gilroy has eighteen knockouts there on his ledger. Darren Corbett was sixteen. Darren Corbett could hit. Carl Frampton big, was fifteen. Big puncher. Darren was so, a big puncher, and no, even when he was finishing his career, he was still punching hard. How about Corbett for your number two, so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an, there's another boxer I haven't mentioned there, but Eamon Lochran is I think he's only 13 stoppages on his on his record. But when I was putting out questions, a lot of people were mentioning Eamon Lochran as a punter. Um, how did you rate him? Eamon was a good puncher himself, you know, but he was he was sparring great fighters at the time, and Eastwood's gym five world champions in the one in the one in the one time. So Eamon Lochran was sparring the likes of them. And picking up, learning off a lot of fight, part of full shots, part of longer punches, and again, as I say, again, it's the one that they don't see because it's obviously. Yeah. Right. So I'm looking for your number three, John. So um, I suppose it's a toss up here between the likes of Dave Boy, Barry McGuigan, Steve Collins. We haven't mentioned. Um, I'd like to ask you, Packy, about his power. Um, but then there's you know. Carl Frampton, Bernard Dunn, Eamon Lockeran, Anto Kakacha, he can hiss. You know, there's a few there. Or would James Tennyson make your top three? There's uh, Fergal McCrory's boxing there at the moment. See, all, I'm not going to say two two of the fighters you mentioned from the north have been any time this far with McCrory. McCrory goes right in tops. So, no, I'm not going to say. I wouldn't say 
than any of the ones you, you mentioned there. Or because okay. Fergal wins the Spurs again. Any time he spars him, he's he's the boss in the Spurs. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we, we'll leave you to mull over number three. So we might get back to you on that, Eric. Uh, I think we're pretty close to getting your top three here as well. Uh, we heard from you about Andy Lee, uh, James Tennyson. Uh, do you have any? Uh, do you have any top? Do you have any top three on the top of your head there? Um, yeah, no, Andy Lee obviously is my number one. You know, he's up there um, just because uh, again it goes down to the level of opponents that he was be- he's been in with. I think James Tennyson is 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 definitely up there because he's he's very exciting and and it's funny because James Tennyson is not your um, kind of all rounded boxer. Like he, he's not Tevin Farmer. He's not that kind of silky no, so No, he's right? not. No, he's. Well, he's but he, but he is professional boxing personified. You know, he's knocked out Declan Garrity, Ryan Doyle, Martin Ward. You know, Shafiq, Craig Evans. These are good lads, really good lads. And I mean, for such a young, he's only a young kid, Tennyson. Like he's still a kid, and he's de- you know he's putting all these guys away with devastating knockouts. You know, it's not even like referee saving them. He's like he's putting it out of the ref and judge's hand completely. He's doing these guys uh, clean. Clean knockouts. So uh, Andy Anderson would be up there, and I'm trying to just look at the list and talk from a, a kind of a personal experience of of of, of lads uh, boxers that I've watched. Carl Frampton had some devastating knockouts in the early part of his career. Spike O'Sullivan has uh, had some really exciting knockouts as well. Um, when they got up in against the big level opponents, like even Bernard Dunn, I remember having a, uh, I remember having a, an old, an old VCR uh, videotape of Bernard Dunn's first uh, ten fights in the states, and I think that eight of them were knockouts or seven of them were knockouts, and my God, they were pretty decent knockouts as well. They were really, really, really top class. But when they got up to elite level, you know, then the knockouts start to kind of become you know, a few and far between. And then it's a matter of, you know, you're meeting people on the same level, same ability, same strength. And, you know, it's it's getting a far more difficult to kind of deliver these um, devastating knockouts, these, um, what would you say, uh, eye-catching, yeah. eye-catching punches. And yeah. Pac, uh, Dubai, uh, pa- Packy and John has referred to it there. Both of them have referred to it. Talk- Talking about management, management. Who's going to, you know, who's managing you, uh, and who's going to get, put you on the right pathway to make sure that you can put up a flattering record. So, um, if I have to go with, like, if I have to go with three, I think James Tennyson. It's hard for me to pick three. James Tennyson and Andy Lee are my first two anyway. Um, Sutherland, he was four and zero in the professionals, and you know the power he possessed in his hands. Over th- over the course of three rounds, unfortunately, we never got to see him at his professional ranks. Yes, yeah. you see them guys like that, uh, you know Darren Sutherland, Phil Sutcliffe, and all like did so much ability and excellent ability, but I never got to see what they could really, really do. You know, mm-hmm. um, to be fair to Spike, Spike is after the Spike is what I like Spike O'Sullivan as well is he is the same. He's he he is exciting. You know, Spike is professional boxing personified as well. You know, he's he's edge of the seat stuff, but he stepped up to the elite level a couple of times. Now, he didn't shame himself at all. He actually, you know, fought his heart out, but just not getting over that line against the top guys, you know, but he's getting in there and he's actually delivering. And some of his knockouts there are going to be on a a knockout reel for, for years to come as well. So, like, he could be in my top three. Uh, McGuigan, Bernard Dunn, Carl Frampton, they could be in my top three. I don't really know who 
who I can put in. Um, uh, and you're actually, you really are putting me on the spot here. I didn't know I had to do it. Well, but Eric, the first Eric, two Eric, Eric, sorry. Um, <laughs> let, let me just try to persuade you there, right? Um, Anton, Douglas ranked, An- An- Anton Douglas was ranked with every boxing body when Spike formed WBC, WBA, IBF, WBO top 10. And Spike knocked him out in six rounds in, in, in Montreal. So, you know, if, that, if, if you need that little push over the edge for Spike, you know, <laughs> just want to uh, remind you of that. I like no, 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 you're... You're right. You're 100% right. I'm not saying, like, I'm just saying, like, you know, yeah. in terms of, like, it's, it's it, like, he's probably the best performing non-world champion Irish boxer of all time, Spike. You know what I mean? But, um, I, <laughs> if you can only get a for that. <laughs> I, like it, I like it when boxers win their biggest fights uh, by stoppage. That kind of proves that they're able to, uh, they've got something in their fists. Like, there's a lot of lads on the, on, on the kind of list, like Brian McGee, Matthew Macklin, um, you look down. You look down. Carl Frampton, Bernard Dunn. They all won world or European titles by stoppage. Even Willie Casey. So I kind of I tend to score highly for that when they win it at the at the highest level. And you look at Barry McGuigan as well as in that is in that kind of game. So there's a few there that would be touching the top three. But uh... and there's another thing as well which I like. And I know that this is like a podcast on the biggest punchers, but like some people don't have a punch, but they have massive knockout percentages and what. Well, you know, those people like Wayne McCullough and stuff like that, that I loved what they could do. They didn't have the concussive punch, but they loved, but they were, they had that killer instinct and the high volume, the work rate. And the, what they done was broke lads down, uh, bro- broke their fighters down systematically, broke them down like, and uh, broke their heart with high volume, high quantity punching. And, uh, and, and just, just, basically finished them in that way, but didn't obviously, you know, to have that concussive punch to turn their lights out. Yeah. Yeah, I like yeah, that like, as well. Like my brother Stephen. Like my brother Stephen. Like you know, I, I used to spar with Stephen training camp. John Breen knows Steve. He used to be up in Eastwood's gym. But I remember, like Chris Poyer. Chris Poyer took the world title from Sumbu Callum Bay. Sumbu Callum Bay had a win uh, over Mike McCallum. You know, these were high rated fighters. And, you know, Chris Poyer's uh, 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 second defense of the, of the belt, he fought my brother Steve. My brother Steve knocked him out. Um, you know, if you look at my Johnny, Johnny people that went to this, my brother Steve as a world champion was Eubank uh, twice, um, and uh, Cornelius Carr, who basically ran and held for the whole fight. But I think you know, if you look at that level, we're talking about levels. So my brother Steve in his last in his eight, in his last eight fights, he knocked out five, possibly six of his opponents, and these were all high level fighters, world class fighters. Nigel Ben twice, stopped Nigel Ben twice. My brother Steve was a big puncher. He wasn't a devastating puncher. He was like a Wayne McCullough. Wayne McCullough had no punch, so he made up for him volume and hard work. But my brother Steve had volume, hard work, but he could punch a bit. He could hit hard. He hit hard, but not that one punch devastating. So, you know, this is devastating punches we're talking about. But if you were talking about tough fighters, you know, volume of fighters, then I'd change my top three. But... We'll stick to the plan, but I, I do, I am glad you kind of chimed in on what Steve could do and what he had in his fist because he's often not going to be in a conversation like this, but at the same time, he had power and he could punch and he did it at that level. And like you say, he won the world title against Pyatt by stopping him, you know, a durable opponent. So he's definitely in the conversation. But so I'm looking for a number three from Eric and a number three from John. I'm, I'm going to give you my three. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Andy Lee, James Tennyson, and Steve Collins. 
Tell me too. Doesn't matter, Eric. So Spike would be upset. <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> I love Spike. <laughs> I love Spike. Don't worry, he'll be alright. Don't worry, I guess they give him a slap, he'll be alright. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, when you bring in Steve, Steve Collins was a credit to twice in the boxing and Aaron. Like they won two world titles against two guys who were top of the bill at the time, Nigel Ben and Chris Eubanks. And Steve just Steve destroyed them. So Steve yeah. must be in, Steve must be in the run not in punching power, but Steve yeah. Steve was in a, anybody that won two world titles against world-class fighters, but yeah. Ben and Eubanks were. Steve Collins yeah. done, so Steve Collins must come into the... He must be up with the hope that they ask them. Not in punching power, but yeah. Steve Collins was just... He just stayed on top of you the whole time, kept working yeah. you down, and Steve never got tired. Never never looked like he got tired. I know sometimes... No, but he broke their hearts, John. He broke their... He broke, broke like, their hearts, Sometimes That's why I. That's... Corner, and folks, yeah. Let's go. You do it again. You know, but yeah. You know, because. Uh, Griff, Griff Fitter. We can't say nothing. Yeah. Steve Collins is a credit to boxing and Iron. Yeah. Yeah. And on paper, getting in against the likes of the Dark Destroyer and 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 Eubank, you know, getting in against them and being raw off and and being able to kind of just completely demolish them. You know what I mean? And and it's like the belief, the self belief. Um. And I, I, that's why he's he's taken my third position because he's delivered on the big stage uh, time and time again. So, yeah. yeah. If my you look at the three, my, if you look at my three, Andy Lee, James Tennyson, and, and Steve Collins, they've delivered on the big stage against world class. Now, yeah. James Tennyson hasn't delivered yet. Well, he's look, like I, 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 I hear what you're saying, but. World, he, at the world level he hasn't no but on a European level he has and I just think he's kind of for me he's in there as a, a, like he's in there in my top three for biggest punchers but he's he's also on the, on the way to being one of the best I think he could be an secure a world title fight at lightweight uh, and maybe a win well again Mark Delab has done a good job from so far I, as I say, I've seen James Farmer, Fergal McCrory. Yeah. And it's, it's a 50 50 spar. Yeah. I've sparred with James myself. That's the one thing about what, like, when I spar with James, even myself, like, yeah. another thing with, when, you're, when you're in with a puncher, and if a puncher relies only on their punch, then you can kind of know yeah. what the what what's up their sleeve. It's yeah. it's easy to kind of maneuver around them, like because you know that you only have to defend against one thing, and that's a one big punch. Uh-huh, yeah. But if you if you can get a puncher to actually disguise their punch and stick to their boxing, as Pascal said earlier, just teach them how to box, teach them how to... As you talked about Neil Sinclair, he's setting the trap. I did a little bit of research on Neil Sinclair as well, and I liked what he did. His jab was very good. He blinded you with the jab, and then boom, the backhand. You know, it was uh, you didn't see it coming. And um, that's what... Uh, Neil's nice. power was on his left hand and his right hand. Neil's could have got a left hook and knocked you dead work. Yeah, you know, his right, right hand wasn't his power punch. The left hook was his power punch. 
Yeah, yeah. But he disguised them well. Yeah, because you say, like, he, he, you don't he, see it. No, he, he, nobody knew what was what he's going to I couldn't have said to him, go out and get, work on right hand or go out and work on left hook. Just, just go out and do what you have to do. Yeah. Keep your chin, keep your chin down, your hands up, and and that no, he's done ex- exceptionally for himself. Again, when he fought Daniel Santos for the world title, Santos was three time world, three different versions of the world championships, and Neil had him had him down the first round. But it was the worst thing in the world because Neil gung ho after it, then he gets knocked himself. Yeah. So right, lads, I've got top three from. Pascal, Andy Lee, Spike O'Sullivan, Neil Sinclair. From Eric, Andy Lee, James Tennyson, Steve Collins. And John, Neil Sinclair, Darren Corbett, and A.N. Other sitting there at number three. Just want to fill this out and we can uh, let you all go home. I'm sure you're already at home. Yeah. <laughs> spring mind, John, that, that uh, had, that had like, would you put Dave Boy in? You said he could punch. Dave Boy was a good puncher for a flyweight. Yeah. Well, if, if the boy had you in the chilling that you out, you know, it's, uh, well, I, for me to be involved with, I think the boy has in the top, great, a great career. Though, again, we're back to the uh, good manager parties. We've done a good job with him. He picked the fights for him, and the boy done, done the damage. But, you know, the boy must be in, must be in top, top three. The boy. Must, I like him. must be. That completes the rundown to post-war. Hopefully there's a bit of hope for the future there, lads. Um, who's Has anybody caught your eye just before we go in terms of who's going to be a good puncher going into the future? Quivian Hines looks to be a good puncher. Lewis Crocker. I think Stephen Donnelly has a couple in him. Eddie Tracy. Um, Tommy McCarthy, if he catches you clean. He was one of the best punchers I saw in the amateurs. I saw him knock a few lads cold. Fergal McCrory. Yeah, I was hoping... I was hoping Joe Ward would be a big puncher, but he, he when he came through at 17 years old, but he adapted and he's far more of a boxer now. But but hopefully in the in the future he's able to deliver a few knockouts into professionals. Uh, who's who's coming through that has caught the, who's caught your eye? I'll start with you, Patrick. Well, well, I tell you, I tell you who's coming through from my gym. Um, and through this lockdown and even prior to this lockdown, we had a few uh, small issues going to America. Niall O'Connor and Ray Millet were to fight out there, and the visas had changed, so they never made it. And then when we do, when we did get out eventually, Ray Millet's fight was was caused because of the coronavirus. So mm. Niall O'Connor, Niall O'Connor, I mean, I feel so bad for that young kid because he's a great fighter with serious power. He's, you know, t- uh, Eric would know. Eric sparred him. Um, Niall's a good fighter. Ray Millet, great boxer, used to carry his hands low, move his head a lot, and um, he's now kind of settled down. He's been up the gym a lot. Um, he's punching Raymond that punches very hard anyway but he's punching even harder now because he's planting his feet more and then I've got a young kid from uh, Waterford uh, Reese Moran the California kid and you know when he first came to my gym I think he was only like 19, 20 and I was kind of sceptical I was like you know you're, you're, you're kind of too young I think to turn professional you know you need to kind of get a mature man's body anyway he kept coming for the 12 months he started maturing a little he started putting a bit of weight on we got him his pro debut, and you know he hits very hard. He, he reminds you a bit of Andy Lee because all his punches are very fluent. They're looping shots. He'll set you up with the jabs, looping left hand, then boom, that right up, cut that right hook. So, you know, from my gym, Reese Moran, 
Uh, Niall O'Connor, Raymond left. Raymond left just had a baby two weeks ago, so he's kind of in the in the daddy stage at the moment. But he will start back to the gym once we're allowed to open. So, you know, they're three guys who can punch. Craig, Craig O'Brien, you know, he's had one stoppage in 11 fights. But if you look at Craig's record, Craig has fought. He's gone over and fought Fowler. He's gone and fought the other kid uh, on the matchroom cards. He goes away and fights everybody. But, but you know, uh, Craig, is, Craig is one to watch for the future. You know, big Niall. Niall can punch, you know, heavyweight division. He's, he's, he's on his way back. Spike, you know, it's... Um, I don't think I've, made, I've left anybody out from my gym, have I? I think you've given them all the shout-out at this stage. I, I, I hope I've given them all the shout-out because uh, I, could, I could be down one or two fires if I didn't. You know? <laughs> yourself, John, uh, anyone coming up uh, in your neck of the woods? Like, a lot of talk about Crocker. He's got six stoppages out of 11 wins. Kakachi's got seven from 18. Tommy McCarthy, eight out of 16. That's kind of like like the best, the best in, the best of Belfast or whatever. Does, has anybody caught your eye? Uh, in terms of punching power that's coming through, or is there anyone under your wing that you think could make it? No, I did see Lewis Crocker up the turn pro. He took the turn pro with me, but uh, he he's, he hasn't. He hasn't. I still think he's a good fighter. Punching power, he, he doesn't punch as hard as Nate Sinclair. Doing the pods with him, so we, I never thought he could do the, the punch as hard as Sinclair does. But again. Uh, He's a good puncher himself, and I think he needs to be pushed forward. Things aren't things aren't not going too well for him at the moment because everything's slowed up in, in Northern Ireland. And Eric, is, is there anyone that's uh, coming along that you that you've noticed that you've sparred with or seen in the gyms or seen on the small hall scene that catches your eye as a bit of a puncher? Yeah, well. Th- as Pascal mentioned there, like about Niall O'Connor, Niall O'Connor is only a young kid as well. He is a bit of a puncher too, no doubt about it. Uh, it's been unfortunate the the, the kind of the lack of opportunity. I know there are circumstances that are just completely out of his control, and you know, um, there's nothing really he can do. But hopefully, they'll make him a better boxer when his chance finally does come. But I think the two probably the most exciting young uh, up and coming fighter at the moment for me is Quiven Hines and um, I really can't wait to see him get onto this he seems to be made of all the right stuff he has the right attitude he's training very very hard and uh, and I think as well you know he suffered a, a, he, he suffered a very serious personal attack a while back you know um, and you know he was in a very serious condition in hospital uh, I think it was a stab wound or something like that to the neck and uh to see him back now punching and knocking lads out and, you know, really making a name for himself, uh, I'd love to see him do well. Uh, he's a good kid. Um, Paddy Donovan as well, Andy Lee's boxer. Um, he's world-class amateur boxer. So I know you not all world-class amateurs make the transition to the professional game. He's still in the, the baby step stages of his professional career. But it will be interesting to see how he develops. Uh, but he definitely has um, all the ingredients um and and he has a good coach as well and Andy so it'd be interesting to see how they develop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and from the amateur scene actually, just before we go, I wanted to mention um Evelyn and Icalo. Uh, my colleague Joe O'Neill said I'd be remiss to do this podcast and not actually mention her. She's a few first round knockouts, only three adult fights or, or so in the uh, amateurs. Long levers, straight shots. This is Joe's words now, not mine, but athletically fantastic. Big and strong, and if she turns pro after the next Olympic phase, we could have a we could have a superstar on our hands. 
So, uh, yeah, we might be remaking the list in a few years. Yeah, and it would probably be a miss to not mention Katie Taylor as well. Sometimes we take Katie for granted, and I know that she's been a real kind of a, you know, trail, like she's been... Uh, she's been a bar setter she set the bar high for women's boxing and you know she's all she can do is be who's put in front of her and a lot of people just expect an awful lot from Katie Taylor so but like it's important to mention her as well she can only be who's put in front of her and she's delivering as well and the amount of people that spoke to me after the London Olympics and said she should retire now and that was eight years ago and look at her still on top of the game of her game which is I just think she's an incredible athlete fantastic fantastic yeah well, look, lads, I can ask for no more of your time. Thanks very much for giving us your top three. Some of it was uh, di- some of it was difficult to pull out of you, but we got there in the end. We got top threes from the lot of you. Um, I haven't really thought about my own top three too much, but I probably have to have... I, I haven't seen enough of Sinclair. I'd have to have Andy Lee in there um, for the level he did it at, probably Barry McGuigan. And then just for my own personal, just seeing him up close, probably maybe Phil Sutcliffe Jr. or maybe a Darren Sutherland because he just looks so powerful and we never got to see a test at the highest level but he could really punch and yeah so something like that but it, mine's not an exact science so guys thank you so much for joining us on the Rocky Road Rewind Pascal Collins John Breen and Eric Donovan it's been a pleasure Thanks.